Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Climbers, prompted by the recent passing of country superstar Toby Keith, I'm going to dive into a few valuable lessons I've learned from his songs and his career. I hope this honors him, and I hope it helps you on your songwriting climb. All right, Johnny, do that thing. Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. The recipe for success starts with and ends with leverage. That's why we called it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. They need to need you more than you need them. That's when you're going to be able to work with everybody you want to work with and still control the ship, still steer the ship, mm-hmm. right? That's a backstroom from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. And you know I love the man because he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how to write like a pro, do business like a pro, and ultimately then giving you the opportunity to continually connect with the pros to make those relationships to take the next step so you can keep on climbing. And you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. It's complicated, but he's smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. Toby Keith, God bless him, rest in peace. God bless him, yeah, man. That uh, that one hit the industry hard, and and I uh, mean he had it still has a ton of fans out there, and I know it's man. I've seen I was blessed to see him in concert, heck of a show, and didn't know Toby personally, but definitely learned a lot from him and his career just watching. Yeah, I, I didn't know him personally, but I, I did. I know a couple of his band members that I mm-hmm. had to text. Yeah, like hey, thinking about you right now. I'm sorry for your loss. Like he was. Uh, by all definitions, like a, a, it's a good man, you know, mm-hmm. good human, like as good as people. Yeah. It's- so we're going to dig into the craft. Yeah, I figured that would be just one of the best ways to kind of honor him and mark this is just to share some of when someone like that passes. Of course, everyone, you know, they're on everybody's radar. They're thinking about him a lot. And I was just thinking, man, what what kind of effect has his music had on me and, and what have I learned from kind of watching him from, you know, from a distance, beginning as a fan just of music and country music and his music and then moving into the business going, what have I learned from just kind of watching then how can that help our audience? Cause that's why we do these is we want to help climbers like you just 
create leverage and succeed. So that's what this is all going to really be about. Like what are lessons we can learn? They're going to help you on your climb. There we go. So before we get into it, though, let's take care of a little business. We want you to join the Climb community on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Climb community. And this is a thriving group, y'all. There's a lot going on in here. This is not a ghost town of a uh, Facebook group. But if you're an artist, a singer, a songwriter, a musician, in any way, shape, form, industry pro, and you want to kind of tap into uh, there's a lot to tap into i, I mean mm -hmm. a million co-writes have been launched have been birthed in the <laughs> yeah. climb community launched in the climb community million relationships certainly you know what we want you to brag we want you to tell us about your wins we want you to tell us about your gigs mm -hmm. we want you to share your new music and we got places in the community for you to do that. Basically, it's, it's a comment on the posts that happen on a weekly basis. The feed itself, be careful with that. We want you to be in the feed, mm -hmm. but bring stuff to the feed that is for everybody. You know, it's it's yeah. not about you. It's about them. Like if there's something to learn, something they can something entertaining, something funny, something like, you know, mind-blowingly musical or whatever. Um, I do that a lot. Any news that you heard, by all means, man, put it in there. Yeah. Sometimes I get hip to the content to the information that I'm going to create an episode around from climbers. They're like, Hey, have you heard of this? Did you see this? Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, thank you very much. Like yeah. that's right up around. So by all means, share it in there guys. And uh, every Wednesday we have new heights mm -hmm. and we celebrate, we read those on the show because we want to celebrate the wins here of climbers. So Brent, what do we got today? Yep. So again, every Wednesday it's new heights. So you just post your win as a comment under that post. So we know where the party is and we can celebrate with you. Let's see. Climber Sunday Joe Graham says she listed out like five. She has like numbers with parentheses. Like it's she's like, I got stuff to share. She says, I have two more songs under under consideration. Yes. So number two, working on producing my next release. Awesome. Number three, had a song in the on hold with Brent's last play for publisher. So our last play for publisher was with Paul Compton over at Wide Open Music. And so that was the like the on hold that group that I sent to Paul. And so uh, she had that number four. She had my music featured on an Ireland radio station. So she ain't just bad. She ain't just nationwide. She is international. International. Yeah. Yes. And, Joe. and to Johnny's point, number five, set up some new co-writes with climbers. I haven't written with before. Look at that. Just what you're talking about. That's awesome. Sunday Joe, man. I love, listen, I love to hear about everybody's climbing journey. But I really love Sonny Joe's climbing journey. Yes, she is OG climber. She's a very, very close friend of, of the show and is always just added value to us. And so we're very grateful for her and super pumped when she's rocking it. Yes, and she literally makes the show look better yeah. because she does the graphics for the episode. So thank you, Sunday Joe. Yes, thank you, Sunday Joe. You have no idea uh, how much that means to us, man. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody actually mentioned that like, hey, man, your like, graphics game has gotten better. Yeah, so that's because well, that's because we we peeled Johnny's white knuckles off of the computer <laughs> where they make the graphics, and we just you know put the computer down and step away from the desk, right. and handed that computer to Sunday Joe, and look what happens! Like it's a miracle. Yes, it's a miracle. Johnny's graphics were better than mine because I don't know how to do that stuff, and then he got to take his hand off of it. And Sunday Joe took the reins. And so thank you, Sunday Joe, for that. But yeah, those yeah, are very grateful. But this is one of the wins. We got, man, we got more than we have time to get to. So come on, join the climb community. And oh, here's one that hasn't dropped in the climb community. Well, it will by the time you hear this. The podcast itself has a win. Oh, yeah. 
and I'm excited to share this one. So as many of you may know, I'm a proud Arkansan. I grew up in Batesville, Arkansas. I went to Arkansas State University. Love my Razorbacks. Love my Red Wolves. Love, you know, so all things Arkansas, right? So I got a, a message this morning at the time of recording that The Climb has been nominated for the Arkansas Country Music Awards under the best, like, publication slash blog slash podcast, I guess, arena or area, whatever. And so we've been nominated for an Arkansas Country Music Award, which is awesome. And so we're super pumped by that. I'm very thankful for that. The fan voting, which means y'all can vote, so you need to go out and vote for us, please. Fan voting runs March 1st through March 14th. And trust me, you'll probably get an email about it. Yeah. But you can go to ArkansasMusic.org and you can vote for The Climb under Best Publication slash Blog slash Podcast. I want to go win an Arkansas Country Music Award because that would make my, the Arkansas heart of me very, very happy. And But I'm, yeah, I'm thrilled about that. Made my day, man. And listen, just from where I'm sitting, all I want to do is make Brent's heart happy and you do too. <laughs> so you need to vote. <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. Tell, tell, school me. Oh, Toby Keith. Talk to me. Yes. So, I mean, you probably know his songs, love him or hate him. I mean, he was a little bit of a lightning rod. So people are going to have strong opinions on Toby Keith yep. one way or the other. And that, that might actually be the first lesson that is impact. Well, compelling. Let's say that compelling. Yeah. It's Seth Godin. He's a marketing guru, many books and stuff. And Johnny, I know you know who he is, but it's like, don't be afraid of the words. Maybe it's not for you. All right. Yeah. Toby Keith was not for everybody. There are people in country music that didn't like him, people outside of country music that didn't like him, but there are a lot of people that loved him. And he is so he was, especially like after 9-11 or just when he like his career with How Do You Like Me Now really hit a different level from just having yeah. hits to having like major hits and becoming a superstar. Yeah. Like he was in a way divisive because he was a strong personality, a strong point of view. And some people hated it, but a lot of people loved it. So that is a a lesson to me to be like, don't worry about the haters. Like, worry about the people that love it. Yeah, he 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 wasn't crafting. He he wasn't making decisions based on fear. How not to rock the boat? Right. He was rocking the boat. He's like the boat rocks. <laughs> right. And, and so that is a big lesson. That yes, he his music and his attitude and his persona turned a lot of people off. Right. Yeah, man, the people that connected with, and it was a lot of them, yep. was a lot of people. And it hit deep and people love some Toby Keith. Yeah. Not just for his music, but what his music has to say and his persona and who he is. They like, that's my guy. That's my dog. Let's go. Yep. And so there's a lesson there is if he kept too much of an eye on who doesn't like his stuff and trying to win them over, whatever, he wouldn't have been who he was. He, he wouldn't have been just as a, you know, as an artist with a strong career, it wouldn't have been that strong. It would have been watered down. Yeah. And we live in a world today, and we were just talking about this on Johnny's last episode on Tuesday about, you know, in this streaming world, how really if you come in with numbers, right, there's strength in numbers. Maybe that's a thing mm -hmm. to talk about, but there's strength in that kind of numbers where it doesn't really matter what the record label thinks about your art. If you prove that you got the people, mm -hmm. you call the shots. You'd be like, hey, I'm proving this is working. Get out of the way. Yeah. And so that that is the thing that should be empowered. And by the way, that's not a theory. I mean, that, that goes back way back to when. I mean, I you know, what pops into my mind right there about that point is Motley Crue. Mm -hmm. Like, 
was signed to a label where the label had literally hated them. <laughs> yeah. Hated rock and roll. Uh-huh. And if, if you know, the, if rock and roll is the pimple on the butt of the music industry, Motley Crue was the whitehead, <laughs> you know, of that pimp. Like they hated them. And why? How does that happen? You know, because yeah. they sold 40,000 freaking records in Los Angeles, their dang selves. And yeah. that's, there it is. Like uh, money talks and BS walks. Yeah, I hate them, but I love <laughs> keeping my job and that raise I just got and making money and being usually successful. So, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's one lesson learned is don't be afraid of being kind of who you are. And if that is divisive, hey, that's all right. Yeah. What you hope is that it, even if it uh, attracts half of the people that it repels, that number of people that dig it are going to really dig it. Right. I mean, yeah. If you're if you're coming at it from the angle of trying not to rock the boat and trying to be like have some sort of like inclusive brand, meaning that every single person on the it's planet is going to love you and not going to hurt anybody's feelings, then it's a mess already. You know what I mean? It's not going to mm-hmm. work. And the angle on that is you're not doing it right if you don't have haters. Yeah. There's going to be people that are going to tear you down. Own it. It's a badge of honor. That means like if they're so motivated mm-hmm. to expel, think about how much negative energy it takes to go through the exercise of, you know, make, I mean, nobody wants to comment on your stuff. Nobody wants to, you know, like nobody takes the time to do any of that crap. Mm-hmm. That's why like the engagement statistics are so important on social media. Yeah. But when somebody does that negatively, mm-hmm. They really don't like yeah. it, you know, and you're like, all right, we're doing it right. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, you think about to take another artist, you know, Taylor Swift, who, I mean, there's probably no one getting more hate online than Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. You go on X or Twitter or whatever. Every time she shows up at a Kansas City Chiefs game, the amount of hate for every time she's on camera. And no surprise, she's the biggest art on the planet right now. Yeah. The amount of hate she gets for every time they show her on camera, just cheering or just existing, having the gall to exist at a football game and being on camera, tons of people bashing that. Yep. But you know why the NFL keeps showing her? They know a lot of people love it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so so you can't worry about the haters. She, If she just looked at the haters, she'd go, I'm going to park my jet and go live in a cave somewhere. Yeah. Same thing with Toby Keith. A lot of people hated his stuff. That doesn't matter. Because it matters is you count the lovers, not the haters. And think about this. I mean, like from the perspective of trying like or even be being mildly influenced and entertaining the idea of maybe toning something down or Mm -hmm. whatever, because you don't want people to hate you. There are artists out there that are like the rebel brand that literally are mining in the minefield of how can we piss off you know, Midwestern American moms. Yeah. Like that is the careers of Ozzy Osbourne and Alice Cooper were built on that. Like these are quotes from their managers. We used to sit around and decide like, what can we do to really, yeah, really take it over the edge? You know what I mean? Because then they know it's successful. I'm not saying that's what you should do. Right. Like you should like, those are, those are based on those very specific characters. But I mean, I'm saying like, Here's artists with careers that are, you know, I think of uh, Hank Williams Jr. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Rebels, like Outlaws, you know, Waylon Jennings, like Merle Haggard. These guys did not give a crap what you thought. Mm-hmm. You don't have to aspire to be the rebel. I'm not saying to be the rebel, but you have to stop worrying about 
what people are thinking. Yeah. I mean, count the lovers, not the haters. Is what I look yeah. at it. Like, okay, yep. it's connecting with people. It doesn't matter how many people hate it. it matters how many people love it. Yeah. If, if we get if we get a thousand haters and two thousand people who love us, then give me another thousand haters, please. Yes, I'll take that all day long. <laughs> all day long. Yeah. So let's dive into a couple songs and what you know I've learned from them. Red Solo Cup. Mm. Warren Brothers. Yeah, written by the Warren Brothers and the Beaver Brothers, the Warren Beavers. Brad and Brett Warren and Jim and Brett Beaver. So Toby didn't write on this one, but he cut it. He saw it for what it was. And there's some some lessons I, I take from this. One is to write fearlessly, like, and have fun. Yeah. Red Solo Cup is freaking bonkers. It's nuts. It's stupid. It's brilliant. It's awesome. It's terrible. Yeah. Whatever. It's all, all the same time. time. <laughs> but you know you've heard it. Again, it's compelling. Yep. And of course, I don't know anyone that hates that song, but I'm sure there are many, many people that hated that song. But I don't think if, if I know if I remember the story correctly, like I don't think it got pitched to Toby. I think it got shared with Toby. And there's a difference oh. because a pitch may come from, you know, you know, the publishers or the writers going, we would think this would be good for your career. It got shared with them because it's like, this is freaking hilarious. You got to hear this. This is bonkers. Yep. Oh, wow. What power in that? It makes me think of another song that was the same kind of story was Goodbye Earl, ironically, by the Dixie Chicks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that got, it's funny, putting, you can't mention Toby Keith without the Dixie Chicks, right? But that song didn't get pitched to them. That song got shared with them because it's bonkers. Yeah. This is crazy. You got to hear this. Yeah. And so both those were huge songs for very different artists. But that's the thing, like, if you write something that just is what you're writing, like fearless and shareable, do you have some of those Yeah, that you're just like, throw caution to the wind. We're just chasing this rabbit today and let's just see what happens. And no guard. Let's just go. Let's freaking go. And yeah. Can, 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 can I expand those, on that for a second? Scared. Yeah. Hold on. Let me expand on this. Cause like the impetus for red solo cup mm -hmm. that story is also legendary right yeah it's the warren brothers at a barbecue and there's solo cups everywhere and it's a big barbecue and they're they're bragging they're like yeah we can write a song about anything anything yeah you know tell us somebody's like okay well how about this and they just hold up their you know red solo cup yeah like, write a song about that and then they did yeah you know what i mean and so i'm mean, just first of all the idea that we're gonna go we don't give a damn mm-hmm Right. Like they don't take themselves too seriously. I right. know the Warren brothers. Like I've, I've known them for years. We played in rock bands together when I was doing the artist thing down in Tampa. They're fearless. They'll just for the sake of going through the exercise of writing, they'll write it mm -hmm. with nothing else in mind other than to prove to the guy that just challenged them at the barbecue that they can write a song about a red solo cup, which sounds so stupid, but yeah. look what they turned it into. And then it became so iconic that the tributes, a lot of the tributes I saw mm -hmm. to Toby Keith were just a picture of a red solo cup. Enough said. Yeah, I, I posted one. Enough said. You know what I mean? And uh -huh. it's like, wow, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. But that's not going, well, that's not a good country title or taking it too seriously. Like anything. Pick something. Seriously. What do you want? Right. Like, have you ever done that, Climbers? Have you ever just like... Just, you know, talk about a song, tell us a songwriting challenge, right? Yeah. Today, we're just going to write something about the most ridiculous thing ever for no other reason yeah. than to write a song about that, you know? And it's... <laughs> and I think part of that is they were free to do that because they write a lot. Yeah. I think at this point, they had like standing, like recurring appointments, the the four brothers yeah. to write together. So they had history, they had trust, they had 
probably a lot of songs under their belt so they could just, uh, let's just chase this rabbit today. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you write a lot, for one thing, those guys all have chops. They're all hit songwriters. Yeah. Right? They're all hit songwriters. Some of that, Brad and Brett were artists as well. And so you just have all this stuff. Beavers produced Dirks Bentley's early stuff. Like they legit, right? Mm -hmm. So they know what they're doing. So even when they write something bonkers, it's going to be well done. Yeah. Like it's not going to be poorly constructed or poorly conceived or whatever. Like that song is, it just like, here's what happens when people that really know what they're doing, do it without giving a flip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's still going to come out really good because they know what they're doing. So one, they have a lot of songs in their past. So yet every once in a while you can take a swing at a song like that, or maybe more than once in a while, but it's still going to be really well crafted. Like even if they weren't writing it to try and get it cut, it's well crafted because that's what they do. They're not going to leave the room yeah. without it being well done because you know, they're there with yeah. three other dudes that are pros. They're not going to be okay with anything less than something that's makes them laugh and, and meets their own criteria for cool. Yeah. I'm sure they were just like going, what can I throw out now to make you laugh? You don't have a pair yeah. of testicles <laughs> if you prefer drinking from glass, you know, and the Freddie Mac, <laughs> whatever. I bet they were just like one up in each other and everybody that has a high bar, then you're going to come out with something that's at least well done. And then it's a matter of does it connect or not. And again, that connected enough that it was shared around. And again, I don't think it was pitched. I think it was shared. Yeah, because it was funny and it was like brilliant. And it was like, oh my God. And then some, and then it, and that just happened to be the kind of song that would completely work for Toby Keith. Yeah. You know what I mean? For his artistry, for his brand, for his humor, his, yeah. all that stuff is like, you're like, how could he not do that? Like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine anyone else doing that. It's like perfect. Yep. And I think part of why they felt free to do that is because like, I don't know how many songs they write in a year or were at that point a lot. Mm -hmm. So if you're writing all these songs, you probably feel like you have the freedom to almost like, oh, we're just blowing off today. <laughs> Might be what they felt like. And they ended up writing like huge song. So if I'm only writing 12 songs a year, but I want to turn pro, Every one of those songs bears a lot of weight mm -hmm. and a lot of response. I got a lot of hopes hanging on every single song I write. But if I write a hundred songs in a year, there's not as much hope in the song as there is in the process. Mm -hmm. Right. So trust in the process, the trust right? In the process. Right. So I have that freedom. If I'm writing a ton of songs, I'm writing consistently to go, Hey, in, in the room today, just, man, I just need to write something stupid because, you know, this is what's going on in my life. I just need to blow off some stamp. Okay. Yeah. Because this is not the only song I'm writing this week. Yeah. That's cool. And that's part of the thing of you sh keep showing up and you keep working. You get two benefits from that. One, your craft gets better. So even those like, oh, I'm just having a joke day or whatever, is going to end up well-crafted. And then you're going to have some freedom to go, all right, not every song has to be... I have to aim for song of the year. Or I have to hang all the hopes of my career on this one song. Cause I'm writing another song tomorrow. Yeah. So part of me, the lesson is that is keep showing up. Yep. Keep showing up, keep showing up and feel free to have some fun. That's right. So that's what I take from red solo cup. I love that. I love that. All right. How do you like me now? I think about yeah. one more thing about that. Like just keep showing up and just writing from the hip on that. I mean, mm -hmm. going back to the Warren brothers who co-wrote that song, like of all the songwriters that I'm aware of, and I'm not aware of them all, believe me, but they write some out there stuff, that, like out there, you know, some different stuff that probably mm -hmm. would never have a hope in hell mm -hmm. of getting cut. 
but somehow it gets in with the right people. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, they created their relationship with Tim McGraw because as a, a label act, as an artist, they opened up for Faith Hill on tour. Mm-hmm. And so they created that friendship. Well, then, and he just liked the way that they wrote. But I mean, one of my favorite country songs they wrote with Chris Lindsay, who's been on the podcast, mm-hmm. and it was Good Girl, mm. Good Girls from Tim McGraw, you know? And that's like a dark mm-hmm. story song that's just super cool. Yeah. But it doesn't go right across the plate as a country meatball song. Mm-hmm. So it, here it is. There's just two versions of where they are just out in left freaking field on something yeah. and getting cuts, making money. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I'm awesome. like it's going to stand that, out. It's going to be different. So yeah, keep showing up and don't be afraid to try everything. Like, who cares? Yeah. Because I'm pretty much betting like there's not another red solo cup that came across Toby's desk that week. Yeah. Like not too many things like that float. That's around. right. So it becomes a binary choice. Do I love this or not? Do I love this one more than all the other ones like it? It just becomes yeah. Do I love oh, it or good not. point. Yeah. yeah, I either think this is good for me or I think it's stupid. And there's a fine line between clever and stupid. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Be, you don't have to beat out all the other versions of that. There's just yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you love it or no? If you don't so love simple, it, simple. So by itself. Yeah. Make it binary. So, how do you like me now? Written by Toby Keith and Chuck Cannon. Again, like fearless. That was definitely in a in a season, and I remember we're still there and always in that season of like you got to put the female listener on the pedestal, put the girl on the pedestal. You can't, whatever you can't do. What? How do you like me now? Did <laughs> right? Was kind of taking shots at her. Yeah, and you know you can't say that on country radio. Well, guess what? He did, and he put it out, and it was huge, and it totally kicked his career into a whole different place. Mm-hmm. Like he was having some hits before, like, you know, should have been a cowboy is still a classic and it came strong out of the gate and he had some other, you know, just the hits and stuff. But man, when that came out, that was like a whole new ball game mm-hmm. from that. And it wasn't from being safe. It wasn't from worrying about who he might offend. It was a real feeling like it was a big shot of bravado, a big shot of testosterone. Like it could have failed huge. But it ended up succeeding huger. Yeah. When the industry was all zigging, he did a zag and it was a huge win for him. Didn't have to work. Might not have. People try stuff sometimes. They zag when everyone zigs and they are out all by themselves. And we never hear Crash about and that burn. Yeah, It happens. All right. But he at least had the chance to win big. And, and honestly, it was a feeling that a lot of people wanted to say. Yeah. Like you spoke for a lot of people, maybe not in the specific now I'm on your radio you know, you don't want to mess with me when we're in high school, but now I'm on the radio. How do you like me now? But that feeling of how do you like me now? Now that I'm on my way. Yeah. Yeah. How many people want to like fly that bird in front of someone? Right. Yeah. And so it is compelling and it's going to resonate with a lot of people and a lot of situations. And it was a phrase that was already out there anyway. How do you like me now? That's right. And so he wrote at that and didn't water it down, but just like, all right, here we go. And it resonates with a lot of people. It's like, okay, he had an advantage, unlike Red Solo Cup, he wrote the song. So he could say, do I want to put this out or not? And he was at a new label at the time, I think uh, DreamWorks or something. And, you know, he just had to get the approval of the label, but he didn't have to go through as, nearly as many series of yes or no's to get that done. He wrote it. He could, you know, pretty much put it out if he wanted to. That's right. So it may take longer for you if you write one like that to find that artist. Mm-hmm. But if you find that artist, hey, 
that could end up being a huge song. And it was for him. So again, the lesson for me in that one is, is fearlessness, writing what feels like real and like will resonate with people. And again, looking at the lovers, not looking at the haters. Cause you know, that song. And you know, you know, I mean, how do you like me now also has like one of the, what is it? The seven core Hollywood stories <laughs> at the base of it. Right. Which is, you know, local boy does good. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like, it's like, well, how do you like me now? You know, just a small town. Mm-hmm. You thought I was just a small town douchebag yeah. that you didn't have any time for. But now look at me. Yeah. Uh, how do you like that? You know what I mean? And there's a lot of guys who feel that way, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, we all had some, everybody had some kind of weirdness in their childhood. Yeah. Man. Some kind of growth spurts where you didn't really know how it was going to turn out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy, you know? And so, I, yeah, I, I relate to that song. I mean, I had... I was a kid. I had a huge overbite, a mm-hmm. huge overbite. I wore headgear, the whole thing. It was it was nasty, and it all turned out all right. You know what I mean? But holy crap! Like it was that was uh, you know. But the stuff you take on then, you mm-hmm. know, and that baggage, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, now I'm I'm finally on track and I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. you missed the good thing. That's a great yeah. Such a good story. I mean, that song is just it's like an end zone touchdown celebration. Yeah. And it's not like putting down, it's, you know, you said they're not putting the girl on the pedestal like everybody puts the girl on the pedestal. Mm-hmm. It's not that they didn't, it wasn't about not putting her on the pedestal. It was really about the triumph of self, right? And like her life didn't turn out that well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like in that second verse, it's like, and you know, you're not doing so hot and it's your wake up call and it's me on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. So it does like, and your life turned out kind of crappy and you're not real happy. <laughs> Unlike me. <laughs> How you like me now? <laughs> so it, it does like, okay, wow. Normally you wouldn't, okay. You know, it'd be like, don't, I don't know if we should do that. There's a little, there's vengeance in there. There's, there's some, vengeance. He's taking some joy. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, yeah. he's not broken up the fact that she's not real happy. Well, there we go. So, but it resonates. Something a lot of people would want to say. And that's one of the things like core questions. What's in it for the listener? Well, what's in it for this, for the listeners of this, like, it's what they want to say. Yeah. A certain amount of people. It's what they want to say. They have a victory. How do you like me now? Do that victory lap song. And, and here's a, here's a, more importantly than that. It's what everybody thinks, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not you say it. Yeah. Right. Is a matter of like decorum and, yes. you know, like manners and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. What are you wasting your time on? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you do waste your time on negative. So, but we all think that. Yeah. Like, you know, when you've been slighted in any way shape or form and then you end up getting the upper hand you're just like yes take that the best vengeance but is living maybe well. you don't ever say it but you think it <laughs> all right let's go to the next one courtesy of the red white and blue written solo by toby keith of course this came out uh he, he wrote this and released this shortly after the september 11th terrorist attacks and and it was also very divisive because i'm sure there are people that did not like what it had to say but in the country world, that was red meat for the audience. I mean, it said what he felt, and it was what a lot of people wanted to say, kind of like, how do you like me now? It's what a lot of people wanted to say, too, about we'll put a boot in your posterior, right? That part gave voice, and it gave a release to a ton of hurting, angry people. Americans. A lot of people were, yes, a lot of pe- Americans were. They were hurting. They were angry. They wanted to do something. And he gave voice. Yeah. To that, yep. You know, it was like a rallying cry, and uh, I mean, man, seeing that in concert, that moment is just—you get to that part of the song, the boot part of the song, especially. Yeah, everybody huge goes crazy. Moment. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it was encouraging, right? In a way for Americans. Healing. It was healing. healing to say, I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to feel strong. And even if I'm scared about what the future holds, even if it's just braggadociousness and I'm not, I'm going to say, and it's going to make me feel better to say this. Yeah. Even if it's false bravado on some people's part, it's going to make you feel better for people that know, like, no, this is what's going to happen. It makes them feel good too. Yeah. Cause they ain't bragging. Cause they expect us to back it up. And so it spoke for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's the thing. And there are going to be a lot of people that didn't like that. And there's still a lot of people that hate Toby Keith and what he stood for and everything. And, but again, you look at the haters, you don't look at, or you look at the lovers, you don't look at the haters. And he spoke for a lot of people. And there's so much power in that. And you know what else? Like this just occurs to me. I might get into trouble for saying this, but uh oh. I just heard Should we timestamp this part? <laughs> so yeah. we can I just heard of Bob Lessett's interview. I was, I was I was doing some podcast diving on Bob Lessett's and he had Joan Baez on. Mm-hmm. Great songwriter, great artist. And also like let's just say like a notorious pacifist anti-war activist. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who on his podcast is now pro-establishment and pro-war. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so interesting how I, I'm pretty sure like all the people that were like against that song are probably also right now, like pro that song. Like they've changed their tune and it's yeah. just like, mm, you know, <laughs> so Another reason, by the way, another reason not to mind the haters, because a lot of it's BS. They're, everybody on this planet is full of shit, you know, and <laughs> we all are. And and it's just like, you know, once you realize that, you're like, okay, this could change on a dime tomorrow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what they're saying. But I think about that because that was a big deal. You know, the anti-war thing back in the day, that was a political separation. And all of a sudden it switched. Yeah. Now they're, it's pro-war. And it's like, wow, okay. I never thought I'd see that coming, but... Those, I think I, I'd be willing to bet that those uh, the lion's share of those people who were against that song, I would assume mostly for pacifism. You know, like mm-hmm. like why do we got to be so ugly and American and yeah, it's like that's not very tooth. Yeah, yeah, and all that and and you know because it's aggressive is the thing. It's aggressive. Yeah, and and so it's the aggressiveness, right? And now those people that were against it are doing it. You know what I mean? So it's like do your thing, man. Yeah, say what you got to say and just be real to yourself. And you'd be amazed at how many of those haters are going to end up changing their tune anyway. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of stuff behind the the hate or or pro behind things. I mean, you know, that during that time, there's that the feud with the Dixie Chicks, yep. you know, that kind of happened. I don't know how much feud was actually between them and Toby, but I think there's some heat there. But definitely people were taking sides. Right I forgot about time. that. Was that because of that song? Well, no, because around the same time, Traveling Soldier was out for Dixie Chicks. And they were in over in the UK, I believe, at a concert. And Natalie Maine said, just for the record, we're ashamed that the president of the United States is from Texas because they're, you know, Texas. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, they that shamed thing, them. I mean, man, Traveling Soldiers stopped getting played overnight. It was the fastest descending number one single in history. I was working at Blue Water at the time. We did the admin on that song. Oh, my gosh. It's a great song. Bruce Robinson, writer on it. He's a freaking great. It's a great song. Great album. But, man, that was at number one and just fell off immediately stop playing it. Go so, that was, yeah. so there was some heat between them and Toby Keith. The and they got, they got, it, 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 they were then off the radio. Oh yeah. They at were, that point too. yeah. Like there wasn't a subsequent song that climbed up the charts. They were kind of done after that. And, you know, and I remember there were radio stations like bringing in bulldozers and like, Hey, bring your Dixie chick CDs. We're bulldozing them at noon kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of stuff behind a lot of that stuff on both sides would be like, okay, who's, 
let's jump onto this for ratings for our personal yeah. benefit. You know, there's all that kind of stuff. An opportunity. Yep. But thing is, both of them said what they were feeling, and it can cut either way. Yep. You know, and for Toby, I mean, it, and what the Dixie Chick said too, a lot of people resonated with that, what they had to say. Yeah. Because they didn't like how things were being handled. Toby was taking another view of it. Both their careers were fine. Dixie Chicks changed more <laughs> after that, but they were still doing all right. But that's the thing. It's like, what's real? And that's what's going to resonate with people. They may hate it. They may love it. But again, that fearlessness. And it was aggressive. A lot of people needed that. They wanted that. Mm -hmm. So th that's one side of it. Another thing is I love this bar. And that and songs like Ain't As Good As I Once Was just showed that sense of humor. Like, I love this bar. Toby Keith wrote it with Scotty Emmerich. And, you know, it just paints this picture of, you know, this bar. And it's not a world changer. You know, it was just, it was a solid. It was a, it's a watering hole. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it painted vivid pictures. And, man, Toby just, it was his sense of humor. Like, I like my truck. I like my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I love this bar. And <laughs> it's just so fun. Like, he had a great sense of humor in his songs. And some people are going to like it, some people not. But, like, you get a sense of, like, who Toby is, right? Mm -hmm. You listen to his catalog, you feel like you know who Toby Keith is. No doubt. Right. From his, his patriotism, his sense of humor, all that kind of stuff, like, comes through. And it's going to connect with people. Ain't as good as I once was. Like, he would take shots at himself yep. and talk about aging and different things and would be real. And I think that realness, you know, I mean, a lot of artists aren't, like, it used to maybe in the 90s, some people would kind of be self-deprecating or whatever. Like, you know, if Bubba can dance, then I can too. Like, I'm not much of a dancer and I'm just kind of scared here, you know, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they would do that kind of stuff in the 90s. But then there was a period like, no, everybody's way too cool. But Toby put out some stuff where he would like ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Like just some reality is like I'm getting older and whatever. Yep. And people really resonated with that. Or I love this bar. Just it just that sense of humor and that smile. People love humor. They they come to music because they want to feel something. Courtesy of the red, white, and blue, they want to feel strong and empowered. How do you like me now? Strong and empowered. I love this bar or ain't as good as I once was. They want to have a good time, laugh, red solo cup, laugh and have fun. Yeah. And so don't be afraid to have songs that are that way as, as well. Yep. A lot of, again, a lot of people are going to relate to I ain't as good as I once was, even though normally it would say, don't write that. If you want to get a hit on the radio, that's not what you do. That's not what you put out there. It doesn't make the artist look. Who wrote that one? I know Toby's a writer on Ain't As Good As I Once Was, but I'm not sure who else is on that. I haven't looked that up. But That might be a song that might be harder to get cut unless you're the writer yes, on it. Yes, it would be. But <laughs> guess what? That might be one you want to write with the artist. Yeah, with the artist. Definitely would have a, a better spot. But just the fact that he was, and even if it's not that particular angle on songs, just the fact that he was willing to go there. Yep. And just that might have just been something that came up in the room. It's like, oh, we got to write that. Who cares about whether or not it'll work on radio. We'll figure that out later. Yeah. Let's write that. Cause that's compelling. That made me feel something in the moment. It's making me laugh. Let's go write that and see what happens. Something pretty good happened. Yep. And so, yeah. And, and again, it's like very, very, very brand specific. It is on brand. You've got to have like, only the kind of artist like Toby Keith, who is super good. Also never took himself too seriously. Yeah. Could do that. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and turn that into a hit mm -hmm. and, it really is. It's a great song, but it's 
it's how he delivered it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like he sold the fire out of that, <laughs> those lyrics. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And as a writer, if you're pitching to artists, you got to think about what works for their brand because there are a lot of artists that say if, you know, outside rat, writer had written ain't as good as I once was. Most artists aren't going to do that. Either they're too young or their brand is younger and they're not willing to like say that because it doesn't make them look perfect. Mm-hmm. So you got to know well, what is the brand of the artist and it's still, you take some swings sometimes because you might not know, but you want to be aware of that. So if you decide to cut against kind of counter programming to their brand, at least you're doing it on purpose, not just randomly like, oh, it's just because I didn't do my homework. But in general, you want to know what their brand, especially if you're writing with them, mm-hmm. what ideas are appropriate. I have a co-write come up with an artist. First time I'm going to write with this artist. I'm studying her brand yeah. and going, I want to bring in ideas that are appropriate because I'm in the service business. I want to serve up ideas that are appropriate for her and her audience where she go, Oh my gosh, my people will love that. Yeah. Okay. Brand awareness as a writer is, is very important. Thank you. know what to give, this just occurs to me right now, but all these songs that we're talking about were kind of like on the fringe of what would be considered acceptable on radio. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the whole career on that. Let's not forget from, and you know, we're approaching this through a writing lens, but let's just take off that lens for a second and swap it out for the artist lens. And I can tell you this, y'all, I can promise you, I don't know for certain, like if I know, I'll tell you, I know, but in this case, I don't know for certain, but there's no way, there's no way in hell that he didn't have pushback mm-hmm. from his team on at least one, if not all of those songs yeah. <laughs> about releasing them for that very reason. Right. So he also was so sure of his brand and mm. what he could do and what he couldn't do that. I'm sure the label probably pushed back against the management. Just like, ah, I don't know if we want to do this. Like this could be, uh, you know, like, uh, we don't want to write the book. Yeah. And they're always going to give you the most homogenous safe route. And he's like, no, no, Buckle up, we're going, you know, and and, <laughs> yeah. and they did. And look at what happened, you know. I mean, it was like, so he had to have the fortitude, the constitution yeah. to, to do that, which I think, man, if you're not sure, right? If you're not sure and you're not willing to take a risk and you, you don't have that established in your mind, you could write that killer hit song and then maybe it doesn't see the light of day because you end up listening to too much to the team. Yeah. You took the safe route. Yeah. You know, like you have that team around you because they're good people to have around you and their opinion matters and you trust and you value their opinion, but sometimes they're wrong. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and you got to just go with it. Right. And just say, no, we're going to do it this way. So, and lastly, just look at him as, as a business person. Cause man, I remember seeing some of the, you know, top earners in country music, whatever top entertainers and even like years where toby wasn't on the radio as much yeah he still had a ton of recurrent but like his radio wasn't what it was right he didn't have like a number one single being dominating the airwaves yeah Yeah. but he would still be on the list of like top earners yep in country music and like man he hadn't had a song on the radio in a while still making tons of money because of his business acumen i mean we he saw toby keith that brand as a business. So, I mean, he went into making a record label, Show Dog Records, which friend of the show, Lance Carpenter, was on yep. for a little bit. I know it was tight with Toby. And shout out to Lance, brother. You know, I know he's he felt it. Yeah. We're sorry for your loss, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so, so Toby said, I'll make my own label. And he did that. And then he had the restaurants, the I Love This Bar and Grill. Yeah. You know, which have different locations around. And like 
it's getting more common now. Like it seems like every artist, like you get your record deal and here's your bar on Broadway, yeah. you know, Nashville. But you know, he was doing that a while back, kind of that Margaritaville thing. Was he, was Margaritaville first or was he first? I'm no, right. I'm sure Margaritas, Margaritaville has been around a while. I'm sure it's been around. Has it? Okay. Yeah. By the way, I saw, did you see the, did you see um, the tributes with him and, Oh, him and with Jimmy, Jimmy, Buffett. And Jimmy Buffett going, yeah, it's five o'clock up in heaven. Here's yeah. what happened. A happy hour up in heaven. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh my God. That, that made me feel things. I, do, I was like, oh yeah, that yeah. hit me in the field. I was like, oh. But like Buffett, you know, like Toby, his, his persona was good old boy whatever don't care what people rebel kind of thing say whatever but then you know also like smart business person jimmy buffett i've read his biographies and stuff i'm a big buffett fan and talking about you know he'd be in in the hotel room after the show and he hopes like no one walks in on him going through his receipts because it's going to run his image <laughs> you know yeah. he's like like going through receipts and doing like the business end of it so like hope oh, no one walks in it's going to totally ruin my rep in his Bahama shorts and flip flops, yeah. he's like, "Yeah, like you know, I'm a businessman too, but I don't need anybody to know that." <laughs> man, man, you talking about? I mean, Buffett. You know, he never. I mean, he never had much on the radio. Yeah, like he never had much on the radio. Cheeseburger in Paradise a little bit. Come Monday a little bit, but his first number one was I think when he released that country record with like "Hey, Good Looking" or something, or Five O'clock Somewhere yeah. was like first number one. Like he just didn't went on radio, but he made a ton of money. Because good businessman, his touring was just incredible, legendary shows. Yeah. And then, you know, you had all the merch and all the restaurants and stuff. And Toby was kind of cut from that cloth too, going, I'm going to maximize this platform I have to take care of my business. I am a brand. Yep. I own a business. I'm not just a singer of songs. Yeah. And not that everyone needs to aspire to do all that stuff. You don't have to. But that's one thing that I look at that and go, okay, business. This is a business, man. It's a music business. Yep. And he definitely took care of both sides of that equation, the music and yep. the business side of it. You know, counting on him, betting on himself, doing his own label thing eventually, the restaurant and all that kind of stuff. So it's just inspiring to go, okay, don't forget about the business side of the of the music because, you know, still earning bank when he wasn't doing as many shows, wasn't doing his, on the radio as much, but those other interests like were taken care of. Yep. So that's just some of the stuff I want to share. About Toby Keith, man, prayers out to his, his friends and his family. Uh, I know a lot of people are still hurting about that, but hopefully this honors him in a way, and hopefully it helps you on your on your music business climb as well. But, yeah, that's what I just wanted to share today. I love it, man. Well, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode, y'all. This podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. R.I.P. Toby Keith. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 